0: Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. This episode is brought to you by Before, an incredible new self-care brand that just launched their first products, a line of purifying toothpastes. I'm obsessive about my teeth and brush them usually three times a day, so I'm super excited to be using Before. It ticks off many boxes of what a good toothpaste should be. Their custom super mint flavor actually tastes really good, and the consistency is silky, and at the same time, it doesn't leak out of the tube, which is a total pet peeve of mine. It's also non-abrasive, so it doesn't destroy your tooth enamel. All the harmful ingredients have been replaced by clean alternatives, and their custom blend of fluoride and dentist-approved ingredients totally promotes optimal mouth health. Before also deeply cares about our planet. Their tubes are made from 100% recyclable, plant-based sugar cane, and creates 50% less carbon footprint than traditional toothpaste tubes. As you all can tell from the show, I'm a huge fan of good, purposeful design, and let me tell you, the design and color palette of these are Beautiful. The tube stands upright on your counter and makes your bathroom look minimal and chic. Visit their website before.com and enter the code CRAFT10, C-R-A-F-T-10, to receive 10% off your entire purchase. One-time use per customer. I'm a huge fan of what they stand for. You won't be sorry, and your teeth and the planet will thank you. As a number of you know, I'm also a certified sound therapy practitioner and founder of Oto Healing, a sound therapy studio and practice. Sound has been a healing modality through many cultures for thousands of years. Oto's approach to sound is rooted in both art and science, the art being the history of sound, the science being quantum physics, biology, brainwave states, and more. All listeners of this show get 15% off their first private one-hour session. Visit otohealing.com to book yours now. Some people bring a serene energy when they come into a room. Amanda Giannakis is one of them. The co-founder of Movement by NM and head of marketing and in-house counsel for Omnifilm Entertainment began her career working in film before finding her truest calling and helping others cultivate an intrinsic joy and love for movement. A Vancouverite all her life, she was raised an only child. Her father worked in government, and her mother is a longtime television producer. Like her swimmer parents, she was athletic, doing gymnastics and eventually found her stride playing competitive tennis. She also wanted to be seen as an adult from a young age, and spent her time with her mother at the office, absorbing the ins and outs of the film industry. After high school, she worked as a distribution assistant at OmniFilm, answering fan mail for wellness shows. It was at this time that her own interest in yoga, movement, and strength training really began to grow, and she knew she could lead in this space. From this, Movement by NM was born, bringing to the market a more cinemagraphic, storytelling lens to digital fitness in a wide range of disciplines. In this conversation, we explore growing up as an only child, the right way to breathe from the diaphragm, the grace and flow of sports, her mother being a trailblazer in bringing health and wellness to television and how she influenced Amanda, vulnerability in creating for others, training new mothers to feel at home with their bodies again current and emerging fitness trends, how to be a steward for your body, and much more. Please enjoy this conversation with a lovely, kind, and insightful Amanda Giannakis. Amanda Giannakis. Hi. Hello.
1: Welcome to The Craft. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, yes. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Me too. Yes. I am so fascinated to hear your thoughts about movement and art and the body and obviously what you're doing right now with your, your company. Um,
1: but uh, how are you feeling? Let's start there. I'm good. Yeah, I'm really good. I feel like I just drove in from Squamish. I did a little bit of stretches in my car. (laughs) Um, This is a beautiful space. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What kind of stretches were you doing in your car?
1: Well, I was doing some just breathing, like diaphragmatic breathing, um, just to kind of help me with my voice. You know, sometimes if you talk a lot, you kind of get Mm -hmm. a little bit like- Winded. Kind of winded or like up here in your neck instead of like in your belly um and then just some neck stretches because driving yeah
0: (laughs) it's so true about the breathing because I've I've noticed recently I'm moving next week which obviously adds a a layer of stress and so I feel like I'm shallow breathing like I'm I'm breathing more from my chest
1: yeah than my belly yeah
0: and then as you said you get more winded when you
1: you talk. Absolutely. And you're like, "Oh my gosh, I need to catch my breath after that." Yes, absolutely. And I think um it's like clavicular breathing. That I think is what it's called where you're kind of you're like up here in the top of your chest. Mm. Um and it can it can actually cause us to be more stressed. Um which makes sense because mm-hmm. when you're stressed, you breathe shallow and it's like if you're not regulating your breath, it can really have an impact.
0: Yeah, it feels restrictive when you're just kind of breathing. Totally. So because even though I'm like, oh, we need to get to your childhood, but I'm actually (laughs) really fascinated by all of this stuff. Um, What's the proper way to diaphragmatically breathe?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think I've learned it from so many different teachers and everyone sort of has their different way of explaining it but I think when you think about breathing you almost want to not breathe into like the chest and you want to think about breathing in a 360 degree expansion so mm. like for me it's really helpful to think about breathing into like my back um, because that's not where like your chest is so not your back so it's like okay if I'm breathing into my back I'm I'm expanding through the diaphragm rather than like breathing up mm. it's like you're breathing out instead of breathing up
0: oh I if see that makes
1: sense so almost
0: sort of thinking of yourself as kind of like almost like a balloon where everything is expanding sort of totally at the same time yeah okay yeah okay I need to use that visual next time yeah I'm feeling the clavicular <laughs>
1: clavicular I hope I'm saying that right <laughs> I'm sure it's right we'll make it right <laughs> oh but let's let's
0: go back to your childhood and cool. you growing up in North Burnaby yes and tell
1: me about that time in your life yeah uh I mean I have I feel like I had a great childhood I feel like it was um a really I don't know Classic childhood. It was, you know, before everyone had cell phones. It was, um, I spent a lot of time playing with my friends, my neighbors, um, and just really, really had great parents, really loving, really supportive. Um, And I was an only child. So that definitely. Um, you know, everyone sort of has different ideas about what that might mean. Um, but it was, it was cool for me. I think I had an imaginary sister at one point, so maybe I wanted to have a sibling. (laughs) Um, did she have a name? You know what? I don't think she did, but I was really, um, I was really adamant that, you know, we would wait for her. Like when we were at the park, my mom would say, oh, you know it's time to go. And I'd say, well, my sister is still swinging, so we can't go yet. (laughs) Um, So she was very much part of um, my narrative. I don't remember this because I was too young, but um, it's a good negotiation tactic. Yes. I'm like, blame it on the sister. Maybe, maybe this was more of a tactic than like (laughs) uh, me desiring to have a sibling. But um, yeah, no, it, it was great. I, my parents are very, very different. Um, my dad is like, and I think I'm really a mix of the two of them. Um, so my dad is like very logical, analytical, very super organized. Like when I think about my dad, I think about clipboard, like, you know, whether it was, um, We were at Ikea or, like, he was planning my birthday party or whatever we were doing. He always had his clipboard and he always was prepared. (laughs) Um, And my mom was, like, really creative, artistic, um, and so very, very different. And I think I really benefited from that, how they complemented each other.
0: Mm.
1: And what were you like? I was very – I didn't – I wanted to be grown up. Like, I think I really wanted to be taken seriously. Like, I remember I would be the type of kid who would answer the phone when my parents were having a party, and someone would say, oh, I'm lost, can you, like, I need directions, can you put your mom on? And I'd be like, no, like, I know the directions. (laughs) And they wouldn't believe me, of course. Um, But I'd be like, no, listen, I know, (laughs) take Mm. me seriously. And so I kind of always, like, had this desire for responsibility Or to be like an adult, um, even as a young kid.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that's also an only child. Maybe. You know, trait, because you are surrounded by adults all the time. Totally. That's that's kind of other than your friends. Yeah. Yes. That's like like the next level or what's immediately available to you. Totally. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. I think I, uh, my mom jokes that I got kicked out of daycare because I wanted to have tea with like the supervisors instead of having a nap. I was like, I'm not having a nap. I would like to have tea with you. Um, I'm not a child. You're like, I want to have adult conversation at three. (laughs) That was me. But
0: you were also sporty.
1: Yes, yes. So both of my parents were super athletic. They were actually both really competitive swimmers when they were growing up. Um, My dad actually was um, like an incredible water polo player, which I don't know if you, you, I mean, it's kind of a obscure sport, but like it's so hard cause you have to tread water and like throw anyways. Um, so he was an incredible swimmer and so was my mom. And so I think they tried to get me into swimming, but you know, some kids are, are swimmers, like love the water. And I was not one of them, I yes, guess. <laughs> neither am I. Swimming is not my strong suit. Yeah. I, I like lounging at the beach. <laughs> um but i'm not i'm not a swimmer um yeah so i think you know they they knew that they wanted to put me in sports and they had i tried a bunch of different things i think i tried soccer but it it wasn't wasn't my jam um and eventually i found figure skating and um, we i got into that and it was like i don't i don't know as a 7 or 8 year old like it's crazy um, how intense it is and how competitive. And so I was like going before school and after school and I had competitions on the weekends. Um, but it was really fun and I got to wear cool outfits and be creative with my routines and and stuff. And, and that was really cool. And were you in gymnastics as well? I did uh, some gymnastics as well before figure skating, Mm. um, which, I really loved, but I think I didn't quite – I'm a bit – I don't know. I feel like I wasn't naturally, like, compact and, like, springy. I was a bit lanky, and so I, I feel like I kept kind of getting myself injured or, like, I didn't quite understand, like, the the somersault tuck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, spatially, it just didn't totally work. Yeah. yeah, but I ended up getting sort of back into gymnastics – later on more recently and, and acrobatics and stuff which was super fun mm. um but i i just think gymnasts are so cool like it's just incredible the strength that they have um and so sometimes i'm like oh i wish i had st- stuck with gymnastics <laughs> but you went into tennis tennis yes
0: competitively
1: yes yes so after uh figure skating after i retired um at you know 8 <laughs> I we were sort of looking for another another sport and my dad loves tennis both my parents do but my dad really loved it so um yeah I I started getting into tennis and we found this really incredible junior program out of Coquitlam that I got involved in and um again it was just like it's so it's such intense training before school after school tons of conditioning work and, and, um, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of fun and a lot of so much learning about losing and winning and being a team. Um, and it was really great. Mm.
0: Sort of reflecting back on, um, all the different sports that you were involved with and a lot of them involve some kind of like flow of of movement, right? Mm. Like if I think of, um, Gymnastics, there's kind of like this, um, maybe all, one of the particular ones, but like there is some kind of like beauty and and uh, and flow to it. Same with figure skating, and then also if you think of how tennis players like swing their arms, there's totally. also a kind of grace to it. So maybe that's what I'm I'm looking for, like graceful mm, sports.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, I I think that's really true. Like that always appealed to me, and I think if I had been a little bit more confident, I maybe would have pushed myself into dance because Mm. I was always just in awe of dancers. And I just thought that uh, I had a few friends in high school that were dancers and I was like, oh, I wish I could do this, but I felt like it was too late. Mm. Um, Which of course it never is, (laughs) which is all about what I do now. But um, yeah, I think... I think that dancerly kind of ethos is something that I really admire. Mm.
0: I'd love to explore how what your mom did in film um, and what role that played in your your growing up. Absolutely, she was working um, and she still is at OmniFilm Entertainment. Yes, so film and going to work with her. Um, was a huge part of your growing up too.
1: It was. Yes. Um, Again, I think just that idea of me not wanting to be a kid. Sometimes I would, I always would rather go to work with my mom than go to school. And I just have such fond memories of the times when, you know, she would let me take me out of school and bring me to the office, which is the same office that I go to now, which is, just when I think about that, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I've been coming here for, you know, decades. (laughs) Um, And Gastown has changed so much in that time, of course. Um, But yeah, I think I was really exposed to a very entrepreneurial um, and creative type of work that um, I didn't realize was so unique but um, like it's just so different than having a a job that you go to and that you leave at the office Mm -hmm. Um, you know she had her office at home and she was always kind of on um, for better or for worse although back in that day like I feel like when you're when you were always on like there's no cell phones or anything so there's a limit to that yeah whereas now it's like okay, we need to put in some boundaries, but, um, yeah, I, I really grew up around, just around her work, um, and that was special, because it, it exposed me to a different way of working, or a different relationship with one's work, and I saw that she was so passionate about telling these stories that she was producing, and, um, producing is so entrepreneurial in that you need to you have an idea that you want to turn into a TV show or a documentary and you have to get people to buy into your vision and to fund it basically and um yeah to see her go after that and then also to see those ideas come to life and then to be able to you know go with her onto sets and stuff was just really unique and definitely shaped my view of of work. Hmm. Was it more rare to see female producers back then? That's a great question. I, it's funny because I, n- I didn't think about it um, because yeah, it was like, just, she, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, she's just doing it's it. It's what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, um, But I know that um, she definitely has had to work hard to prove herself as a female producer and and to be to be taken seriously um I think is just was harder Mm.
0: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I suppose as it it really was for a lot of our our mothers yes back then and um, yeah, surviving the, the, the patriarchy.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But um, she was also
0: um, very much a pioneer in the type of content she was producing. And she had this lens on creating content around wellness and yoga and retreats, which was sort of new back then. Yoga wasn't quite the
1: movement that it is now. Totally. Yeah, she she really... I think, craved um, for her own life a, a peace and stillness and wanted to find places in the world that, were, that had that quality to them. And to make television that actually gave people a sense of peace and a sense of um, transformation not just entertainment, it's entertainment is important too. But, um, and I think that was very new um, back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a time when there was just television. Like it was before YouTube, it was before you could create anything that you wanted. You needed to find someone who would put it on TV. Um, and so there were pioneering broadcasters as well that, that got behind that and were like, yeah, okay this is, this is cool. This is like, this is an interesting, um, type of content for people. And, um, yeah, that, I think that desire to have people transformed and to, to have a sense of wellness through audiovisual means essentially was, was something that's always been really important to her. Mm. What was the series
0: that she started uh- Quiet places. Yes, that went to different retreats.
1: Yes, quiet that must places. Have been
0: mind blowing because people really, I feel like retreats are you know everybody you know has not everybody but they're just it's it's more a, a thing that people do now. We understand. Yeah, what we that get is. it. It's like yeah. in the vernacular of people who are living in um, you know uh, in privileged positions. Like maybe yes. I, I'll say that, um, but she got to probably travel to some really wild and and cool retreats
1: yes yeah and i mean there's so many on the west coast like i know she um on on the islands like the gulf islands i feel like it's a very the the islands are very spiritual and there's lots of retreat centers there so there was there were a number of episodes filmed there i know she went to costa rica actually we all went as a family um which i remember very fondly um i think for a retreat centered around wildlife and, and dolphins, which oh, cool. I think they never actually saw dolphins. This is kind of <laughs> the funny thing about documentary filmmaking is like you go and then sometimes it just. Yeah, you like yeah. cross your fingers <laughs> and it
0: maybe doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but tell me that uh, about your journey into, into film. And obviously, this has now translated into many other things, but um, you started working there. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so part of my striving for adulthood, um, I moved out quite young. I was just so excited to get out into the world, um, and you know, got a job at Starbucks, and then also got a job with OmniFilm answering fan mail for their various shows and and as a distribution assistant. So I was doing like filing and business affairs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I was answering fan mail and she'd produced this yoga show that had aired in the States in a time when I think middle rural America had had no exposure to yoga. And people were just like, what is this? This is amazing. This has changed my life. I can't believe how like great I feel. It's only 22 minutes, but I'm a new person. And I just got letter after letter after letter. And finally, I was like, I should try this show. Like, people really like this show. I should probably try it. And I did. And it was like, wow, it is amazing. Like, this is this is incredible. And it kind of got me started down this path of um, wanting to teach yoga and wanting to learn more about it. and um, And seeing the possibility for – I guess, similar to, to my mom's vision of wanting to help people be more well and transform through television mm. and through through video content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always felt like there's something that we could do, something bigger we could do here mm. um, than, than selling yoga DVDs. Yeah. Tell me
0: about your feelings about the artistry of movement, Mm. the artistic
1: side of it? Ooh, great question. I feel like this is so broad. Um, I mean, I think something that I really strongly believe is that creativity and movement are so linked. And they really they really feed into each other. And I think when we're physically stuck in our bodies, or we're physically kind of like stagnant, um, for lack of a better word, I think in our creativity and, and in our minds, we can start to be kind of in a similar place. And when we actually physically move we're move like if you move physically out of your comfort zone and like do a kickboxing class or do a dance class when you're like afraid of doing it it just gives you permission to do something similar I think creatively mm. um, like I think that the barriers that hold us back from art which i think are so real like as an artist i'm sure you've experienced that sense of like resistance like there's just this sense of resistance every time you go to put something new into the world um it's like i don't know how to explain it other it's than vulnerable resistance. it's it's, t- vulnerable it's so vulnerable when you create
0: something you know i feel It's in service to yourself, right? You're doing it because you love it, but you also hope that others love it too. And that's the vulnerability of it is will they or will they not?
1: Totally. Yeah. And, And I think for most artists that I know, there's also always a sense, no matter if you are like at the Oscars or in your basement, like, you always have a sense of, like, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't good enough, or I shouldn't do this, or
0: mm-hmm. why am I
1: even in Why? Room? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I should be smaller, you know? And so I think movement, like, we have similar barriers when it comes to movement. It's like, ugh, I'm not strong enough for this. I shouldn't, why am I even trying to go for a run? I can't even run. I can only run for, like, a minute and then I'm tired. Like I should just give up. It's like, I can only write for like three pages. I should just give up. Um, and I think breaking through those barriers on, on either side can feed into the other. And it, and it's like a movement practice for someone who's artistic and creative, I think is just so important.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I suppose to the other artistic side of of movement is, is, it's an expression of totally who you are and how you feel uh, in this world. And, and that's really beautiful. Like I think of, I think of contemporary dancing and I, I think it's beautiful because there's so much emotion in that genre of, of movement. Um, And it tells like an incredible story often.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other side of movement is itself so creative. And I think, um, movement artists, whether they're dancers or whether they're personal trainers, like it's so creative. Mm -hmm. And I think they don't always, I mean, I think a dancer would for sure view themselves that way, but, but I would, I think like athletes are so creative. Like even what you were saying about tennis, it's like, there's a grace to it. And, um, even in, in how you, are strategic and creative in different plays. Like, it's um, it's so creative. Movement mm-hmm. is so creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it 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 really is.
0: Um, tell me about Movement by NM, and it's uh, it's an online and digital fitness platform. Um, but you do fitness, you do yoga, you do martial arts, and then there's this incredible storytelling aspect to it so not only do you have the digital classes but you also have these short films like the seasons one that that I watched and there's an, um, a beautiful cinematography to to those videos as well so yes tell me about how this all started and why you believe the storytelling is so important too and not just the video of how to do the thing
1: mm-hmm. great question um how it started, I guess, just going back to that idea of like the yoga brand being more and wanting to offer people more and um, that kind of eventually evolved into this idea of movement by an M that that my mom and I have been working on together and Yeah, we we wanted to offer lots of different disciplines because I think there's so much value in trying different types of movement. And like I said, breaking out of your comfort zone. And then, uh, yeah, the storytelling side of things. Something that we always say is we don't want to separate the inspiration from the instruction. And... We really, we really want to offer a space for movement and fitness that motivates people to move, not for a purely aesthetic reason, um, or not for a short-term reason, like um, you know to have a bikini body or whatever um, that's a classic example I always use but we want to help people cultivate like an intrinsic love and, and joy for movement that I think we all sort of have as kids and then we sort of lose
0: Yeah agreed
1: um, and so that's our philo- our movement kind of philosophy and I think when it comes to the storytelling and the inspiration, we want to offer different ways to kind of get at that, like what motivates you Mm -hmm. and, um, break the, the typical pattern of, you know, what might bring someone to a fitness practice.
0: Mm -hmm. I know that you yourself also focus on um, pre and post natal performance training. And I was, um, I was watching this video the other day that was talking about, you know, celebrities and how they seem to bounce back from pregnancy so quickly. And there's a lot of different layers in there. But what it made me realize, and in talking to my girlfriends that have had babies, they're like, it's an intense and traumatic experience on the on the body. And it does take time to rebuild again. And so what's your experience working with mothers who are trying to... Mm, recover and, and sort of get back to a semblance of, um, yeah, their, their health and their well being, and their form yeah. before baby.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, just feeling like, at, like your body, I think when you go through pregnancy and birth and postpartum, there's definitely a feeling like, Whoa, this is not my body right now. Um, and like I rem I remember that feeling so well and I remember postpartum like when I started to feel like oh okay I think this is my body again <laughs> like it feels like me again and it's just it's so interesting because you're like nurturing this life and for a long time like it's just like your body is their right. whole yeah. n- nourishment um
0: almost like it doesn't belong to you anymore for a time you know it's just like keeping this little being alive
1: yeah and there's so many like when I got pregnant I had a whole other motivation for movement because I know how important it is and how good it is for the baby to be moving and I was like oh even if I don't really feel like doing this going on this walk or doing this class, like, it's actually really important and I I'm, I should just do it. I need to do it or, you know, I should have this really healthy meal right now even though I'm busy and I'm on the run because it's really important. Um, so you kind of just get this, like, it's not just about me, like, and my physical body. It's, like, it's for someone else in a really direct way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, postpartum. I think something that I really... A couple things. Um, one, I think, because women are rarely given the tools to heal properly postpartum, there are many women in their 50s, 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that had kids and that are, that never actually healed fully. And I'm super, super passionate about um, helping those women kind of connect to their core and, and rebuild those core muscles that are just, like if you think about how the body changes during pregnancy, like your abdominal muscles literally separate and there's so much work to bring them back together and to get everything functioning and again, especially if you've had a C-section or, um, you know, there there's so many ways that a birth can be just even if you have the most, I don't know, um, easy, for lack of a better word, birth, it's still like a huge event um, that takes time to recover from. So um, I think there's no timeline on like postpartum recovery. And that's something that I I really believe um, and feel strongly about. Mm. I wonder if there is some
0: kind of also acceptance of my body is, isn't the same. Like Mm -hmm. there's no getting back to what my body was. It's almost like, it's almost like as you reflect on, you know, your own past and the way that you're emotionally healing moving forward, it's, it's like, you know, you, you just, you're not the same. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just, you're just this evolved version of yourself. And I suppose that happens with your body. I mean, I, I haven't had children yet, but you know, as you grow older, your body changes. Totally. And so you do kind of mourn an old version of it and have to come into the acceptance of of what it is is now.
1: Yeah. Because that's just
0: life, the, the cycle yeah. of life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about your thoughts around the digital fitness movement and how, I mean, obviously, when we went through the pandemic, there was an explosion of it. And now we're sort of, quote unquote, back to
1: normal life. Um, where is it at now? I think in a big way, the pandemic and everyone going online for that period of time really broke down barriers and stigma about working out at home. I think people were really reluctant or didn't, didn't think that it was an option for them before. Mm. And Now, even though a lot of people might be going back to the gym, I think people are more likely to complement that with at-home classes and workouts. And I think that's great because, well, I've always loved working out at home because I, it's, I mean, it's comfortable, like I can be in my pajamas um, and it, it's a lot less time and logistics, um, of course. And I think, well, now as a as a mother of a small child, it's hard to get out of the house. <laughs> um, so it, I think, depending on your season of life, it's 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 a great option. And so I think it's wonderful that people have really come to see that it's doable. Um, and that you just kind of need to make space, literally physical space for it Mm. in your home, Mm -hmm. Um, which is something that I I always, whenever someone says, oh, I just, I can't get around to doing workouts at home. It's like, well, have you made a space for it? It's like, no, I have to, if I'm going to do a class, I need to move my coffee table and like my couch and (laughs) um, pull my mat out of the garage and it's like, well, yeah, of course you're not going to do it.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. You do have to like make the space for it. Yeah. Like you said, like actually do the things. What do you notice about pe- what people want for their bodies nowadays? Is it, I, I mean, it's probably everything, but I'm curious, is it more like, do people want strength? Do they want to be more embodied and connected to their body? Um, is there some kind of trend that you're noticing and what the, yeah, the modern-day contemporary man or woman wants to feel mm. when it comes to their
1: body? I think for the people that I'm connected to in my life and also the the Movement by NEM member membership, what I've noticed is... Um, A lot of people want, like, restorative practices, Um, whether that's really just, you know, resting and lying on a bolster and kind of just breathing, or restorative in the sense of restoring a sense of balance to the body after, like, from your activities, which I would say most of our activities are, like, on a computer or at a desk. And so restoring a sense of movement is often like specific mobility work for the back and the neck and the shoulders. Um, Practices that support your life rather than are an end in themselves, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like I think people want, they want to feel good as they move through their days Mm -hmm. and you have if you take 20 or 30 minutes to work on the types of movements that you're going to do through your day that can be really powerful Mm. um so almost like a restorative or a a preparatory practice
0: yeah yeah Mm. i have a question around flexibility and this is really just a personal question because <laughs> I do remember when um, I was younger and we'd have gym class. We'd have all of these. Um, once a year, we would do these like strength exercises and these flexibility exercises, which would measure how flexible you are, how strong you are. So for the strength one, it was like, can you do, can you hold yourself in a pull up? I feel or like, like I remember that. Do this. you remember that? I don't yeah. know if it was part of, uh, I don't know, some like it's a province-wide program probably but I remember that it was actually quite intimidating because yes. it was sort of like you were in competition with everyone else and I now totally looking remember this yeah and looking back you're like of course everyone's body is different so what I did notice is I'm strong but I'm not flexible and so my question is really around flexibility <laughs> um during the pandemic I really started to introduce yoga as a more of a daily practice, even was even if it's five to ten minutes. And I do notice that my flexibility has improved, but I'm not limber. Like I'm not <laughs> malleable. I'm not like gumby or anything. <laughs> Is flexibility something that you really truly can work on and become limber and and gumby and, you know, my my face can be like near my knees. Or is that just a complete different body type?
1: I think it's a mix okay. for sure. It's definitely a mix. But I think flexibility is is one of those things that you need to train really intentionally if you want to make big, quote unquote, improvements in it. Um, and And there's like active flexibility where you have flexibility, but you're never stretching to the point where your muscles can't support it. Um, So like I could do the splits, um, but if I was standing, I can't lift my leg up into a splits position right with my muscles Mm. I can only I have the flexibility sort of because I can cheat with gravity and pressure but I don't actually have active flexibility and so if you think about like a dancer they have or gymnast like incredible active flexibility where they actually can hold like they're flexible but strong Mm, and I think mm -hmm. that's the best place to be Mm. um as someone who worked really hard on flexibility you know to be again quote unquote better at yoga um during that time of my life and like totally destroyed my body Mm. um and had no strength to support myself I think that's kind of a misconception about flexibility that um flexibility in itself is like a good thing when actually you want to be like have active flexibility where Ah. you're like strong and flexible
0: right that you can do both yeah okay that that makes a lot of sense so
1: the fact that you're getting a little bit more flexible is probably a good thing because it yeah it probably means you're like slowly building flexibility with strength right in a way that's like good for your body yeah and it's almost like um isolated flexibility because there's
0: certain things that I can do like like a butterfly like yeah I can really bend over or whatever but if my legs are out in front of me and I have to reach and
1: touch my toes like that's a different yeah story well hamstring flexibility is like when it comes to yoga I think that's the one that limits the most common Yoga poses, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and also with our lifestyle of sitting, I think is the one that really can get that makes sense compromised easily. I guess because that muscle is like contracting because
0: you're not using it. You know? Yeah. Just like- well, there. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So fascinating. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it also makes you realize, like, if I – you know, if I'm looking back at it and, yeah, you know, I am a little bit more flexible than I used to be. I think it goes back to what you're saying that, you know, you can push your body to um, more limits than you may think in your mind. hmm hmm Well, just a few more questions for you. Um, I'd love to know what – being fit, and having well-being means to you?
1: I think that it goes back to what I was saying about moving through your life well. Um, Fitness, for me, is feeling strong and also pain-free because I think that's um it's something that so many people I know have, you know, back pain or shoulder pain or neck pain um, that can compromise their desire or ability to do the things that they love to do. So being fit for me means, yeah, being able to to move through, life and and to do what I love to do to take care of my daughter like to be able to like to pick her up. like honestly when I think about holding a 25 pound kettlebell and like cooking dinner I'm like that takes a lot of fitness <laughs> yeah um so being able to care for her in a really physical way um is is really important feeling feeling strong being able to come to my mat and like just play um and challenging my body in different ways I I think it's it's almost like a process for me it's like a daily process of like showing up and um stewarding this
0: body Mm, I like that the stewarding of the body Mm -hmm. Mm. I feel like that's that's something that i would like to yeah think about it. i love that combination of words actually yeah being a steward you always think of being like a steward of the earth yeah you know and i i feel like those those words are used often but um you know and the planet is our home but yeah our bodies are our home too totally mm.
1: yeah and it's it's how we it's how we can accomplish anything that we're supposed to like um, you know, like it's it's so important to be a steward of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, my final
0: question that I ask everyone <laughs> with what you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world?
1: I love this question i love I love legacy. It's such a a powerful idea and and something so important to think about. Um, I think it it does come back to the stewardship of the body. And I would love if my work with movement in particular and just in in how I work with people when it comes to their physical bodies and fitness um, would... Would give people that sense of stewardship over their bodies and and help them almost with with their legacies. Like help them be stronger and more confident and able to achieve what what they're wanting to. Whether that's being able to play with their grandkids into their 70s and 80s or um, you know, feeling comfortable in their body after giving birth um, or feeling strong and able to tackle anything at work or or at home. Um, I think if if I can contribute to to that in people's lives, mm-hmm. I will feel like I've done a lot.
0: Mm. Well, congratulations on everything that you are building and helping other people be stewards for their body if people want to connect or if people want to access movement by nm where can they go and then if they want to connect with you where can they go
1: well for movement by nm i would say um on our website movementbynm.com and if they want to connect with me um probably instagram would be would be a good way um at Ajune June Giannakis, which is a tricky, tricky name. Um, or, um, yeah, my email, which is also linked in my Instagram. Amazing.
0: Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, sharing your story and also sharing all your thoughts on movement and the artistry of that, which is something that, you know, I, I think about often and it being embodied and, um, what better lives that we can lead if we are connected to our bodies and and how we move through this life. So I
1: appreciate your time. Totally. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
0: As always, thank you for being here and for listening. To learn more about today's guest, visit the episode page for show notes and links on wearethecraft.com. You can find the entire podcast archive here or explore more conversations with past guests on Spotify and Apple. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on these platforms, including YouTube, to get notified when new episodes drop. Any likes and shares on social media are deeply appreciated too. Sound and audio engineering for the show are by Andrew and Jay Bagaspis. All guest portraits and images are by Juno Kim. Appreciate you all and see you again soon.